if I can go get a listing and now I'm not sharing that commission with anybody and it's 6%, 2%, 100%, whatever it is, who's going to want to represent a buyer if the buyer is not getting compensated and has to go out and negotiate their own commissions. And it's likely that the buyers won't be able to pay those unless the seller agrees to pay them in some closing cost credit. If you're a residential real estate agent earning $200,000 a year and you want to grow your passive income, this show's for you. Learn the secrets other agents use and hear from experts in our field in order to guide you along your journey to investing in assets like apartment communities so that you can turn your commissions into cash flow. I'm Randall DeCleared. Let's go, baby. All right. Welcome back. We got a big news story broke this week about the NAR lawsuit in the Stitzler case. $1.8 billion verdict in favor of the plaintiffs against NAR, Keller Williams, and uh, I believe a few others, home services maybe. So I want to talk about that. First, I want to say thanks again for jumping on, listening. We hit our 100th episode and that's a big win. We've had over 100,000 downloads, so also a big win. Really appreciate you jumping on, following the story and sticking with it. So we're going to continue bringing you good information, great interviews and working with you. So I trust you're getting value out of the show. So just jump on, rate and review on iTunes, wherever you listen to this really helps us out, get great interviews, great guests. Do that. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, it's at Agents Building Cashflow on YouTube, putting out some other stuff on Instagram and whatnot as well. Also on our end, literally in the legal stage for launching our multifamily fund, we feel like there is a lot of opportunity coming up in the multifamily space right now. And if you're following the news, then you may know what I'm talking about, but there's a lot of properties that are going to be struggling and having a hard time and they will be coming to market, we believe, over the next uh, 12 to 24 months at a discount. And we're looking to execute and acquire some of those. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me. We can talk about it. On the residential side, we have a fund. We're also at the very tail end of it. And so we'll be launching that thing hopefully next week. And I will be doing a full episode on that, launch a webinar to explain what we're working on. And I'll bring my partner on for that deal. And you'll get to know both of us and see what we're working on in that front. That one's a crowdfund. So we're really excited to just see how that actually works out and plays out. So yeah, stay tuned for those two things coming out. And let's jump in and talk about NAR and lawsuits. Let's go. Okay. If you've been following, and I assume you are a real estate professional, but if you're not and you're following, you haven't been paying attention to what's happening with this lawsuit. There's a Burnett Stitzler case that has been going through. NAR has been sued essentially for anti-competitive rules that they've set out for members. Really, it's not anti-competitive in my view, a little bit biased as an agent and broker myself. But the whole idea is that sellers and buyers feel they're paying inflated real estate prices due to the commissions that are being charged, a collusion between buyers, brokers, and listing brokers to somehow inflate the prices based on this commission that is being agreed to between the two, buyer broker and listing broker. So a verdict just came down. Let me just read this. This is from The Real Deal. It says, jury finds NAR brokerages guilty in landmark commissions lawsuit. A jury found that the National Association of Realtors, Kelly Williams, and Home Services of America guilty of colluding over commission rates. The defendants were ordered to pay $1.78 billion in damages. The verdict in the landmark Sitzer Burnett trial was rendered Tuesday after two weeks of testimony in Kansas. All right. So this is NAR's response. And I've read this on the NAR website. NAR's position is that this matter is not close to being final, right? They're going to appeal it and appeal it and appeal it and probably get it. If they lose on appeal, they will take it to the Supreme Court, I'm sure. So it's going to take some time. 
The verdict currently doesn't require any changes to practice, but NIR is again the CYA is you know use the buyer representation agreement. Clearly, there were some large brokerages that were caught up in this: Keller Williams, Remax, and others. So anywhere real estate and Remax already settled theirs out of it. So there's going to be some shakeup regardless of what happens with the appeals and what's going on, right? So that's the backstory. What I'm concerned with or want to discuss today is really the ramifications of this going forward and what it might look like should the appeals fail. Not saying that they will. I think there's a strong case that NAR will prevail and what happens there. But what I think may happen, I'm going to go through a number of scenarios here. One of them is Remax and Anywhere Real Estate already have changed their rules within their franchise saying that you don't have to be a member of the National Association of Realtors in order to be an agent within Remax. That's fairly big because Remax has a ton of agents and that could have implications for MLSs regionally, right? If you're not a member and you're not now getting MLS access, what does that look like? So I'll talk about that in one second. First, I'm going to go through and see if you are a buyer, right? And you are now negotiating with your buyer's agent on your own to go out and figure out if they're going to represent you. That's all well and good. That's always been in place. You can always negotiate that and figure out what that looks like in the past. However, if the seller's not going to be paying for that now, what does that actually look like in practice in real terms? Okay. So I'm a first time home buyer. I barely have three and a half percent to put down for an FHA loan. And now I have to come up with another one to 3% or whatever that works out to, right? It's negotiable. So it could be anything, but let's just say that it's 3% and it's a hundred thousand dollar house and you had to have $3,500 down. Now I double that, right? So now I'm at six and a half thousand. Where's that money going to come from? Most likely you're going to add it to the sale price and get a kickback from the seller. So the seller ends up paying for it, or we're just going to inflate those prices, right? And the same thing kind of happens. It's being paid one way or the other through the seller because buyer can't afford it, right? So it keeps the price inflated and it doesn't do anything to really settle the problem as listed, right? Here's another scenario. Listing brokers are going to make 6%. Who is going to want to represent buyers, right? If I can go get a listing and now I'm not sharing that commission with anybody and it's 6%, 3%, 2%, 100%, whatever it is, who's going to want to represent a buyer if the buyer is not getting compensated and has to go out and negotiate their own commissions, and it's likely that the buyers won't be able to pay those unless the seller agrees to pay them in some kickback in the form of closing cost credit, right? So that's two scenarios. Third one, here's one I kind of alluded to a second ago. And I feel like if MLSs, local MLSs, I'm thinking about mine, if we lost members and therefore we lost the number of listings that were going into the MLS, a couple of things happen. One, the sales data starts to trickle out and go away. We're a non-disclosure state in Texas. And so if I'm not able to go out and easily comp a property as a small brokerage, because we don't have the data, because these agents are leaving and they're not becoming realtors, right? Then what does that actually look like in practice? I would say that more of the large brokerage houses are going to take on more agents. And in essence, they'll be able to put whatever commissions they want to because they will have the data. They will be the ones in-house that have their own MLS essentially and have a transaction history that they can go back to and say, okay, this house should sell for X, Y, and Z. And so it will consolidate agents into a fewer number of brokerages, which I think is more anti-competitive in general because then you're not cooperating with other brokers. So again, you could do more price fixing, it seems like in that way, as far as the commissions go. 
if you have fewer choices as a consumer of the brokerage houses that you can work with, then obviously that's fewer choices that you have to go out and price or negotiate commissions at all. So I think that could happen. Another thing that I think could happen, the brokerage business could be replaced. Like I was looking at some of the like Zillow, homes.com, some of their stock prices actually dropped after the ruling came out. And what's interesting is that I think they're going to end up being the winners in this case, because if more people are able to go out and represent themselves, like this has been a thing that's been going on long before this case, but if they're able to get the data that they want, they're able to go and drive by a property. The biggest barrier right now to being a consumer that can go and get a property is just access to that property. So my thought is that there's going to be a technological advance of some sort that will allow consumers access to properties. And people like Open Door and some other iBuyers have already created these things, but they were the owner of the property and not necessarily a listing company that allowed consumers to go into these properties. So I think that will shift. I think it will turn into like open door brokerage or something to that effect to where they put in their proprietary app system that will allow people to just go into properties. The issue is, I don't know how they're going to vet who goes into those properties, but I think that's kind of the direction of what will happen based on this type of verdict, right? Long-term, that's what I see coming down. So I don't have all the answers. This may not be right. I'm just conjecturing and throwing some ideas out there. I would love to hear from you, see what you have in your mind, what's going on, how you think this is going to affect the industry and going forward. Shoot us an email. I'm happy to chat about it on here next week. Again, I'm still trying to get somebody from NAR to come on and talk about it and see what they have to say. But if you shoot me an email, podcast at agentsbuildingcashflow.com, I will read your comments most likely here on air so that we can talk about them. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Surprisingly, most of the agents we speak with got into real estate hoping to gain passive income and become work optional. However, only one in five ever start investing. Most are simply too afraid to start. Once you get educated by listening to this show, you'll be able to overcome that fear and become the one in five who are finding financial freedom. Don't miss a single episode. If you want to stay up to date, the best way is to make sure you're subscribed. So if you haven't done that, go ahead and do it now. And we'll catch you on the next episode.